Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Welcome back, folks. Raphael Goyaneci, President Metropolitan Crime Commission, joins us as he does all uh, every Monday in the 11 o'clock hour, and we appreciate same. Rafi, welcome to the show. Hey, welcome back. How was your hunting trip? It was good. Uh, didn't get a chance to uh, bag anything, but it was uh, fun nonetheless. Had a great time. Very good. Good. Rafi, let's... Uh, we talked about this last year during the Mardi Gras season, the trials and tribulations of staffing. Obviously, uh, we're in not much better shape this year and still need the um, the staffing um, that uh, was provided last year. But in the aftermath of last year, a lot of uh, things uh, began to unwind about how this whole thing was processed. And the OIG issues another letter talking about how folks with the Orleans Parish Criminal Sheriff's Office was actually, were actually paid. Tell us about it. So what we thought was a bad situation that we thought we dealt with last year, we're finding out that there was more to the story than we initially knew. So just by way of a refresher course uh, to your audience, so last year the city of New Orleans entered into a cooperative endeavor agreement with the Orleans Parish Sheriff's Office for the Orleans Parish Sheriff to secure her deputies as well as deputies from law enforcement agencies from around the region to come in to assist New Orleans with security during Mardi Gras. So the city of New Orleans executed a cooperative endeavor agreement with the Orleans Parish Sheriff's Office and the city committed up to $950,000 to pay for the additional security from outside agencies, including the Orleans Parish Sheriff's Office. So last week, the Orleans Parish Inspector General's Office issued a letter to the city of New Orleans and to Gilbert Montano, the uh, chief financial officer for the city of New Orleans, alerting uh, the city that during the course and scope of an audit that the IG's office was conducting of the sheriff's office. They determined that during last Mardi Gras, the Orleans Parish Sheriff's Office overpaid deputies by uh, basing overtime rate not on flat hours worked as the law requires, but on premium pay. So according to the Federal uh, Fair Labor Standards Act, 
state law and the cooperative endeavor agreement, overtime is supposed to be calculated based on what the officer's regular rate of pay is. Uh, what the Inspector General's office is alleging that during the course and scope of their audit, they determined that the Sheriff's office may have overpaid by substantial sums of money the deputies that work during Mardi Gras by basing their overtime rate on premium pay. So either you pay someone premium pay or you pay them overtime. And what the Inspector General's office is alleging is that the Sheriff's office based the overtime pay on premium pay. You have to choose one or the other, either flat rate and overtime or premium pay. But the Inspector General's office saying that they've documented that the Sheriff's office based overtime plus premium pay. Uh, so that resulted in some deputies being paid over $100 an hour, which exceeds what you know, federal law, state law, and the agreement that the uh, city executed with the sheriff's office. So that letter was an extraordinary measure for the inspector general's office to take because they haven't completed their audit. So they elected to take the extraordinary step of issuing a cautionary letter to the city of New Orleans because Mardi Gras is knocking on the door in 2024. And it had been publicized that the sheriff was going to be handling uh, the uh, additional security in the same manner that she did the year before. So the inspector general didn't want to see history repeat itself, so they alerted the city to what they have found, and the new Cooperative Endeavor Agreement for 24 uh, also, uh, I think, incorporates some of the recommendations of the Inspector General's office to prevent uh, for overpayments to occur in 2024. We don't know exactly at this point in time how much money was overpaid, but the Inspector General's office didn't want the city to be exposed to overpaying for a second Mardi Gras season. That's why they took the extraordinary step of issuing uh, that letter last week, alerting the city what happened in 2023 uh, with an eye towards uh, reducing the potential for that mistake being carried forward into the 2024 Mardi Gras season. So let's put this in context. If their base pay was about $40,000, um, you divide that by 2080, you're going to get a, a flat rate of about just under $20 an hour. So let's just round it off for um, argument's sake. Overtime would be paid then at time and a half, which would be about $30 an hour. So the amount of money that they made on overtime is three times what they would typically make on yep. their regular hours. That number right. of that they'd make an overtime of roughly $30 an hour is $20 an hour less than what the premium pay base level is at $50 an hour that they're mm -hmm. going to be paid. Now, whether or not this is legal or illegal or not or otherwise, when does one realize that the optics read the room that getting $100 an hour just is not right. <laughs> I mean, it just, 
you know, that far exceeds any amount of money that NOPD would ever make uh, during Mardi Gras or Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office or any other agency that's working Mardi Gras in their respective parishes. Not on your life will you ever make $100 an hour. Well, I agree, and that's why the Inspector General's office uh, uh, took the extraordinary measure of issuing this letter before they completed their audit just to reduce the potential for seeing the same mistake carried forward into 2024 because it's been essentially been confirmed that the sheriff is going to be serving uh, and executing a new cooperative endeavor agreement and the inspector general that wants to prevent waste uh, wants issued this letter in, in, in an effort to reduce the waste that occurred last year. As we pointed out, we thought that the limits of the, the waste that we knew about until this letter was issued was confined to the hotel rooms that right. the sheriff decided was a prudent expenditure of funds, not for all the deputies that worked last Mardi Gras, but just for some of her elite high-ranking deputies at a French Quarter hotel. And uh, what we found out was that was initially $30,000. The Cooperative Endeavor Agreement with the city of New Orleans uh, said that the city would only pay for hotel accommodations for deputies that were coming in from outside agencies outside of uh, 35 miles from the city of New Orleans. So even with that, uh, the media documented that about $18,000 worth of those $30,000 of hotel rooms that were paid for by the sheriff's office went totally unused uh, last year. And we thought that that was the extent of the story. And just based on that, the city council this year in appropriating funding for the sheriff's office did not agree to the uh, funding increases at the sheriff's office requested for 2024 just based on some of the you know mistakes that were made and the waste that occurred with respect to the hotel rooms now we're finding out that that did not uh, was not limited to just wasteful conduct and a violation of the consent decree I'm sorry the uh, cooperative endeavor agreement uh, for hotel rooms, but also for overtime pay for deputies that were paid in 2023. Then you add to this, Rafi, the fact that you have a city agency, the sheriff's office there, who shares concurrent jurisdiction with the NOPD. They can make any arrest that any NOPD officer can make within the confines of the parish of Orleans, the city of New Orleans. Why would they be entitled to the premium pay in the first instance? The whole premium pay thing was to lure outside agencies outside of the city uh, that's working, you know, uh, inside the city for the purposes of providing the additional security. Right. I mean, I, I don't get that. I mean, if you don't believe in your own city, if you don't believe in the mission of your own city, if you don't believe in Mardi Gras, and, you know, and you're not willing to, to have your men and women, and she said it in her statement, the sheriff, that is, Susan Hudson, 
OPSO assigned OPSO personnel to work the parade during their normal work hours as opposed to a voluntary off-duty assignment. Well, that, that would imply that you've made the commitment. Normal mm-hmm. work hours, they're paid their normal rate of pay, and, and they have their normal rate of overtime. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I mean, she's a master at defending the indefensible, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, they, so what she's saying is that they have to lure her officers and they get to make $100 an hour uh, when in overtime status when nobody else gets to do that? This is her city. These are her constituents. They don't belong to all the other agencies that come to this city. I mean, this is craziness. Right, right. Uh, I mean, I agree. Uh, And I cannot begin to explain this. I think what this shows is that, you know, the sheriff, while well-intentioned, is still learning the responsibilities of that office, still uh, understanding some of the fundamentals of how to operate an agency like that. And while she's intelligent and I believe well-intentioned, she has not surrounded herself with people that are uh, capable of leading the organization, may not uh, have a working knowledge of the do's and don'ts of operating a sheriff's office. So I don't believe for a second that, and this isn't a justification, I don't think for a second that if the sheriff knew what she knows today, if she knew last year, it would not have happened. But I'm also concerned by the fact that once you've been shown that you've made a mistake, that you won't acknowledge it and say, look, I made a mistake. It's not going to happen again. Instead, the sheriff is saying that she made no mistake. She's unapologetic, and she doesn't acknowledge that she made a mistake. So that's why the inspector general did what he did in issuing this letter to make sure that the city of New Orleans doesn't overpay again for 2024 Mardi Gras security. And think about it for a second. The deputies that were paid in excess of what the law allows, theoretically, they could be asked to, since this was you know, a violation of law, to repay that money. Those deputies have spent that money. That money is gone. They didn't do anything wrong. And now the deputies uh, are being told that they're not going to get the same rate of pay that they got last year. What do you think that does to the morale? Of of course. Sheriff's office, those deputies over there. This is very, very careless. But I see I'm a little bit more suspect than you because in this release, she says, for political purposes, the OIG at every turn, has attempted to undermine the hard work of the OPSO staff who went above and beyond to support the city when called upon. Correct me if I'm wrong. Does the OIG run for public office? Of course not. Of course not. Whose politics is the OIG serving? You know, let's let's be honest. Most of the elected officials, they don't like the OIG. (laughs) So, I mean, who so who's? political purposes is the OIG servant. <laughs> well, he's not. So that goes to the point that I made. I believe that, look, if you've been shown that you made a mistake, 
you own that mistake and you step up and acknowledge it and you you know thank the individual for informing you and educating you that you made a mistake and you pledge not to repeat that mistake and the sheriff is not doing that i believe that what she you know what she's learned now she's not going to pay overtime based on premium pay in 2024 but she didn't know that and the people that she uh, uh delegated that to didn't know that and I think that uh, the fact that the sheriff won't acknowledge it uh, places her and the agency in an uh, unfa unfavorable light, both with respect to the public and more importantly, or just as importantly, uh, with the city of New Orleans that's responsible for funding that agency. When she, so when she asks for additional funds to perform her responsibilities, there's going to, those requests are going to be met with a great deal of skepticism by the city council uh, that is responsible for funding the request of various agencies like the Orleans Parish Sheriff's Office. She's the one that's actually being political, Sheriff Susan Hudson, because the position that she's taken is typically what you see in politics. You deflect, you deny you evade and then you counterattack. And when you really when you read this release, that's exactly what she did. Yeah. But it's it's a bigger problem than did you know? You have to have the desire to want to know. Mm -hmm. And there's some things that on its face just don't seem right. When you offer premium pay it doesn't seem right that you would give time and a half on top of premium pay. Premium pay, as you well know, are is only allowed in extraordinary circumstances, right? Yes. Pu public safety is one of those circumstances that is the, about the easiest to be able to qualify. But that's taken into consideration the nature of what you're doing and everything else and the whole nine yards. But... You, you, it would when you when you would pay overtime on top of fifty dollars an hour. That's basically twenty dollars an hour over your overtime pay rate as as the base rate. Look, you don't have to run a payroll division. To understand? I mean, you put that scenario in front of twenty five people, Rafi, and what do you think people are going to tell you? Can't do it. Can't, Can't do, do it. it. Don't don't do it. Don't do it. So I, I don't buy into the, you know, she didn't know. You got to want to know, you know. Yeah, and when you're I, looking at this, you, when you're looking at this, if you don't go and do the due diligence on all of this to make it sacrosanct to get it right, you just simply don't care because it's happening over and over and over again. In a short period of time of being in office, I mean, how many other examples can we point to, right? Yeah, got to want to know. She's yet to acknowledge that it was uh, poor judgment to uh, rent the hotel rooms during last yeah. Mardi Gras. Season. Yeah, so. you got you. You got to want to know. We'll be right back. We're visiting with Raphael Goinacci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Stay with us, folks. Welcome. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Back, folks, we're visiting with Raphael Goyeneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. Uh, Raphael, I, I was out of town, but I someone sent me access to video of that uh, double non-fatal shooting in the CBD last Wednesday afternoon. Um, it's rare that you get that type of video that's captured. Um, it was a scary proposition of what was going on down there. Right. So that occurred uh, like late afternoon, uh, last Wednesday, and the police had the three suspects in custody. Uh, But we're finding out some more about it. So the vehicle, the truck that was depicted in those videos uh, that shot the pedestrians in the uh, Central Business District last, last Wednesday afternoon, apparently was was stolen uh, while the owners of the vehicle were unpacking bags and moving into a hotel uh, in the central business district. So the perpetrators uh, jumped into the car or the truck and, uh, and stole it. The police were able to track the vehicle via GPS while it was driving around in the central business district. And there are some questions, why didn't the police pull that vehicle over and arrest those people before they engaged in the shooting? And, you know, that's a logical question, but you need to also put it in the context of what the police knew and what they knew and when they knew it. So that was reported as a vehicle theft, not a carjacking, but a vehicle theft. So there wasn't anybody in the car. The car was left running, and the suspects allegedly jumped in the running truck and drove off. So the police are now tracking the vehicle at some point in time later that afternoon at the car was stolen, but they are looking at that as a property offense. And while the vehicle is in the central business district, if they attempt to pull those individuals over, Uh, That may result in the individuals uh, attempting to elude the police, speeding away, and there's the potential for uh, that vehicle being involved in an accident in the central business district, injuring other pedestrians. So the police had no idea that the suspects were armed, nor did they know who they were, nor did they know what the intentions were of the automobile thieves that stole that truck. And I think that, you know, now that we know that that truck was stolen, 
uh, and that truck was used as transportation to hunt down two individuals and track them. Uh, I think that the fact that the vehicle was driving around in the central business district for some time after the truck was stolen is an indication that they were tracking and looking for their intended targets. They found them uh, in the central business district at around 3.30, and they opened fire. So once the police realized now that that truck uh, that they were initially handling as a, a, uh, a property offense is now involved in a crime of violence, the police, and they know that those individuals are armed, uh, for whatever reason, and I think the public now would understand, they elected not to try and confront those individuals in the central business district. Uh, they were able to track the vehicle. Uh, the police discovered that the vehicle had been driven uh, to another part of the city and attempted to set it on fire. The police arrived, were able to extinguish the fire. They recovered additional evidence from the vehicle, including some shell casings that were in the vehicle that matched the, the shell casings at the crime scene. Uh, they were able to get some digital evidence from the truck linking one of the offender's cell phones. They discovered the name of the offender, uh, at least one of the offenders. They tracked them to their address in New Orleans East and uh, they had obtained a warrant for their arrest and to search the house. They recovered uh, several uh, handguns, one of which was made fully automatic, uh, some assault rifles. They determined that uh, once they attempted to execute that warrant, the suspects refused to allow the police in. The police had to call the SWAT unit out. Uh, no shots were fired, but they recovered uh, in the attic two of the, the suspects hiding in the attic, another one attempting to flee by climbing over a fence in the backyard. And I think it was good police work by the NOPD to take that from an automobile theft to quickly arresting those individuals before they could continue to uh, Exert, uh, you know, the you know that was obviously a retaliatory shooting of some sort. Those people were targeted. They weren't uh, the, the victims. weren't uh, um, uh, victims of an armed robbery gone bad. The the shooters were obviously looking for those two specific people, and when they saw them in the central business district, they opened fire on them. Uh, and we're fortunate that no one else was was hurt during that event. Both of those people uh, underwent emergency surgery. I don't know what their condition is nor their prognosis, but if the police had attempted to encounter them or effectuate their arrest in the central business district, uh, it may have endangered other people. Uh, and I think that now we're knowing better, appreciating why the police did what they did and why they did it in the manner that they did. One adult, two juveniles arrested. Uh, do you know if they've released the identity of the juveniles yet? No, they have not. And that will become public once the report is completed. And then the uh, and if the 
prosecutors elect to take those juveniles uh, to adult court to prosecute them. So the only, we don't, I don't know if that report has been submitted yet, but the prosecutors will ultimately have to decide whether or not to prosecute those juveniles as adults, and if they do, and only if they do, will the names of those juvenile offenders be made public. And I just want the listening audience to recognize that's by policy of that system in New Orleans because the state law allows you to release that information in a crime of violence once the continued custody hearing has has taken place. And i got to imagine by now, because this ha- happened last Wednesday, that that contest- continued custody hearing has already occurred, right? Right. Now, I mean, the bail on the adult arrested subject was set in excess of a million dollars. So he still remains in custody. I just don't know what the status is of of the juvenile offenders as we speak today. Do we know the criminal history of that adult? No, I don't. I don't. Yeah, that's good. Kind of now, curious. keep in mind, he's, you know, he's 20, maybe 21 years old. Uh, so uh, the fact that he wasn't charged as a convicted felon in possession of a firearm, if he's if he's 20, yeah. uh, you know, then, you know, there wasn't a lot of time uh, for him to obtain another felony conviction. But the, the point is, and we've talked about this repeatedly, we've talked about, you know, all last year, the explosion of automobile thefts, and we have identified the connexity between some of the automobile thefts and crimes of violence. So this is a perfect example mm-hmm. of how an automobile theft uh, was uh, not just a property crime, but it was a property crime executed by individuals that were armed to the teeth uh, with with weapons, and they stole that vehicle to use as transportation to hunt down and target uh, their shooting victims that, uh, as we speak today, we're only talking about attempted murder charges as opposed to a murder charge. In this, but their intention was to murder those two individuals. No doubt, and I love when we connect the dots as quickly as we did here. Look, it's easy to Monday morning quarterback anyone as to what's happening, but as you said, you don't know who knew what, when, and at what time. Once they piece all of that together, there are a lot of things to consider. But thankfully, there are three people behind bars in this uh, case. You know. Uh, from pers- from the so, perspective so these of individuals according, right these individuals according to media reports you know attributed to the police department were linked to at least seven other or six other automobile thefts and or carjackings in yeah. in the city of New Orleans so again small number of individuals responsible for a disproportionate amount of the carjackings and automobile thefts by so taking these people off the streets prevents an untold number of future property and crimes of violence being perpetrated by these individuals. Right. And uh, this is what, you know, when you incapacitate impact criminals like this, this is all they're doing, right? They're running around, stealing cars, jacking people up, you know, the whole nine yards, and that's how you drive crime down. The sooner you can incapacitate them, the better. Uh, Would they have liked to have been able to affect this earlier? Yeah, no doubt. Right. 
But it's a balancing act, as you know. I mean, you, yeah. you, know, you want to be able to arrest violent offenders as quickly as possibly, possible, but you don't want to endanger the public in doing so in all of this. Yeah. So, no I mean, that was the, the fine line, and the police initially were handling this as a property crime, not knowing what the intent was of the individuals that, that stole that truck. All righty, we're visiting with Raphael Goinecci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. We will be right back, folks. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Raphael Goinecci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. The credit card statements are back, and uh, we're getting a glimpse into what the cost of the Dubai trip uh, cost the taxpayers of the city of New Orleans on behalf of the mayor, Raphael. Yeah, it was only $15,000. Uh, you know, so that was a bargain. Now, you know, the mayor in traveling to buy, to Dubai, uh, the public records request that was filed by Fox 8 uh, revealed that the mayor's travel to Dubai uh, was $24,000 because she flew first class. But twenty that $24,000 was paid by uh, the Conference of Mayors. So the additional $15,000 that was paid, 14000 of it was for the security member that she brought with her because, of course, she's such a recognizable figure in Dubai that uh, she needs to bring armed security with her when she travels to the Middle East. As it turns out, the armed security that she brought with her was a member of her executive protection team, Officer Jeffrey Vappi. So it cost the city of New Orleans because the Conference of Mayors didn't provide a scholarship for his travel. Uh, It cost the city of New Orleans about $14,000, and another thousand or so that wasn't paid by the Conference of Mayors was picked up uh, by the city of New Orleans as expenses accumulated by the mayor. So uh, the cost of the mayor going to Dubai uh, was close to $40,000, $39,000, because not only did she go, she brought her uh, uh, officer that was depicted uh, coming in and out of the Pantabla apartment with her on this travel. So that's not a good look for the police department, the city of New Orleans, or the mayor, but that's what we're finding out now. Not to give you or your audience further indigestion, last week while you were gone, the mayor went to Washington, D.C. for another uh, conference uh, put on by the uh, Conference of Mayors. And the mayor traveled to that, uh, again, flew first class, and again, brought Officer Vappi with her as their security to Washington, D.C. We have yet to determine uh, who picked up the cost for that travel and all of this. But I guess we'll find out for sure in the not-too-distant future because surely the media stations will be filing public records requests and, and documenting who went with her and the cost involved with the mayor's latest excursion that ended on Saturday when she returned uh, from that conference of mayors. Well, we we should probably get the Conference of Mayors to handle the U.S. budget because I understand the membership that the city pays to the Conference of Mayors is $20,000 a year. And they just paid 
$24,000 for her first class travel. So we've already made a profit on that <laughs> membership of $4,000. And if they can do the fishes and lo uh, loaves routine like this, they the Conference of Mayors should be handling the budget for the uh, for U.S. Congress uh, because this, this may be one of the best deals going. Well, so the Conference of Mayors is uh, a private entity. So we don't know who's funding it. And, you know, just doing the math, I don't know how they can afford to, to pay That's more than yeah. what they're taking in, you know. Yeah. And they're losing money on our mayor, uh, it, it appears. Hey, you know? look, uh, and maybe the mayor joined this organization because they no doubt she's getting her first fair share. Okay. Uh, I mean, let's, let's, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no doubt there. Let's talk. Let's pivot crime stats um, through 2020 uh, through uh, January 21st of 2024. Where do we stand? So the good news is that we still continue to trend down in the, the four major categories of violent crime, homicide, shootings, carjackings and armed robberies. So the most important measure that everyone uh, tracks is homicides. You know, unfortunately, we've had 10 so far this year as of the 21st, which is a reduction in the number that we had at the same point in time in 2023. So uh, you can see that we had 20 uh, on the same date, both in 23 and 22. So that's a 50% reduction this year versus last year. Shootings are also 50% or down actually 55% of what they were at the same point in time last year. Carjackings are down from 16 and 23 to 9 this year. And armed robberies are down 15%, 22 so far this year versus 26 in the same period of time. And I think that part of the reason for that uh, is attributable to the police, I think, beginning to engage in more proactive policing and improving their solve rate and doing some of the things that they're doing that we just talked about in the last segment by quickly identifying who the perpetrators are and successfully arresting those people. So, uh, you know, you can't give it all to the credit of the police department, but I certainly think that uh, they are doing a good job and they're doing some things differently uh, in the latter part of, of 2023, carrying into 2024 that's producing the desired results, which is reducing violent crime across the city. We have run out of time. This hour always flies by, as always. Rafael Goyaneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, truly appreciate your insight, your time, and definitely the reporting on the crime numbers in our great city. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. Folks, when we come back after the top of the news break, we will visit with Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust, and we have a long list of things to talk about, the economy both here locally, statewide, and nationally. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 